Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Live and in Technicolor. All right. We're going to start this out. We hadn't read some reviews in a while, and uh, I was just kind of jumping back through some. These are off of uh, Apple Podcast. So we have Sam Burton, 1975. He left this on January 10th. I'm just now seeing it. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> As a newly re- revered, or yeah, revived hunter and a longtime outdoorsman, this series gives me all the information I need to jump back into hunting. The atmosphere of the podcast makes you feel like you're right there swapping stories around a campfire, cracking open your favorite brew. There's a wide variety of subjects available that are clearly marked for each podcast. The production website teams have done a terrific job specifying the content for each episode while providing notes uh, so listeners can follow up on details. Thank you, William. Even though I started by listening for just hunting episodes, I feel like one of the boys... And ended up listening to all the episodes from the beginning. Appreciate it, Sam. Left us five stars. That's pretty awesome. That episode number one. But um, oh, you can't hear. You that know what's anymore. fantastic? Oh, too good. Is, <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> none of us know Sam Burton, do we? I don't know. Uh, not that I'm looking at the reviews that are here, and it's of, great when you get a review the new from ones. Buddy, but you want to read one? You want to read the next one, Will? No, I say uh, of the new ones, I only know one person. Oh, nice. By the by, the name they left on here. So, I don't know any of them. That's uh, awesome. The very last one. So I'll tell you. Uh, I'll read the next one. Uh, SFC Rob 08 love the podcast. Crew is very knowledgeable on topics they speak about. Just all around great group of guys. Thanks, Larry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, I guess this is, uh, sorry if I pronounce your name wrong here, however you got it spelled, C. Randall Mike or Crandall Mike or C&R and all Mike, I don't know. Uh, he said, show has some great quality content, but some a lot of times I can't hear what the guests are saying even though the volume's turned up. You know, we're going to work on that for we, you. We will. I'll fire our editor. Yeah. Well, that might also be a guest education issue because a lot of times guests get real comfortable and are nice, wealthy, 
you know, found by the side of the road chairs and start talking this far away from the microphone. Like you probably couldn't hear that. Yeah. So. <laughs> the funny thing is, 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 is we can hear it fine in the headphones, which is, I don't know, we got to figure that out. I really, what I really need to do is figure out how to adjust the audio better. Cause I do. And I know that's an issue on some of our podcasts that that happens. Um, and I tried to adjust the volume of the people that stay too far back, but I have to be careful how much I adjust it because they always tend to at some point be far away from the microphone and then they come close. So if I turn it up too loud, when they get close, they're going to be super loud. Or if I turn it up loud and they stay away the whole time, they're very distorted. So it's, I don't know. I got to figure so, that out. Listen, I'm not, if, I'm not, I apologize. I am not a very tech savvy individual and I'm the one that edits all the podcasts. And so, I'm the host and the producer and the editor. And I thought uh, you were firing that editor. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing Thursday or, uh, or uh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday night? Briar, you got a new uh, job. You got a new yeah. job. <laughs> so if we got any audio engineers that listen. You firing that one too. <laughs> yeah. We'd love some advice. Oh, man, I would love some help. Dude, we've got the whole episode from the Swanee River that I can't figure out how to fix right to make it yeah. sound great. And that's that would be a really funny episode if we put it out there because it's several nights of us. And the audio quality from the microphones we used is great. But lining up all of those audio tracks together and making it not echo is a really it's a bitch yeah and that's all i can say about that i tried i spent four hours in here one night trying to do it and gave myself a headache and said i'm screw this i'm going to bed <laughs> i don't know man I, I like listening to shows sometimes where there's not necessarily our show but i like listening to some shows where there's imperfections because they're, they're outdoors or out in the woods or well that's scene. that's yeah that's different uh, versus being in the studio where you sound good i sound good and the guest sounds like crap because we're all using the same equipment Right, there's got there there. There has to be a way somewhere in post production for me to fix that, and I've got to figure that out. I don't know how to use the software we use to its fullest limits, and I've never, I haven't necessarily taken the time to do that because we don't always have that issue. Uh, I would actually say the majority of the time we don't have that issue. It's just on some occasions people get a little too far from the microphone. Yep. Yeah. And Jim talks too quiet. That's why he turned his headphones down. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's normally until he laughs and it blows your eardrums. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I think one of the part of the secret is turn down the, uh, turn down the, the earmuffs and I'll, I'll speak louder. Right. Yeah. All right. So the, the most recent one we have is from April 17th it says it's from John H. Love listening to these guys. I look forward to the drive to work every Monday, knowing there's a new episode out. Keep up the good work, under pressure team. We do a, we do a lot goes into bringing you guys the best quality of content we can, and trying to keep up with what's going on in the outdoors industry. Like tonight, man. Before we started this, we had had a guest originally scheduled who had to move uh, due to other things. And they'll be on later on, uh, probably next week. next week. Um, but it's it's really hard for us to kind of keep up with what's current to, or to bring things to you when they're current, because we're not recording this and publishing it the next, uh, the following Monday. A lot of times right now we're what we record today is not going to come out for two weeks. So we have to talk about things almost as they happen. So that by the time you find out about it, it's still fresh, fresh and current. It's, it's, it's a, a tricky situation, but, we sat here for an hour to talk about bring up some different subjects. You guys will figure that out here in a little bit, and we'll turn it into a good show. Yeah, so here's another thing. If you listen, 
and you use Apple Podcast, I'll start I'll start reading your reviews. Just start leaving them. I don't think you can leave. That's a pretty sure that's the only place you can leave written reviews. And man, I, yes. we don't ask for it often, but we would love some written reviews on on Apple Podcasts. Uh, even if the, 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 the three-star review, it lets us know what we can work on. That's good stuff. If you're going to leave a review that's not five stars, or if it is five stars, we'd love for you to write and tell us you know, why you gave us one star, two star, three stars. Just write something in there. Because if you, you roll up and you hit the one star and run away, we can't fix that. Yeah. Right. We need uh, constructive criticism just as bad as anybody else does. So... We're always trying to do something better, make it better. We'll get a lot better one day. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Once yeah. the money starts flowing in and we can yeah. get rid of our garbage chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. At least we know where we came from, right? Yeah. There garbage. Yeah. <laughs> garbage. The, the garbage wall, the garbage chairs. The garbage the, audio. <laughs> the table. <laughs> Did, you bought the table, didn't you? Yeah, for Did 40 you? bucks. Yeah. Uh, pretty much garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one step away hey i took this this gar- literally garbage looking boat shaped conference table cut it down and turned it into a nice rectangle looking nice looking rectangle table it but they say nice. so you could myself. probably sell it for more than 40 bucks now yeah put a veneer on top of it and <laughs> you may need to put another veneer down just to cover up the holes you <laughs> sold it no be all right sell make it a good a, beer pong table i'll say sell go. it as a podcast <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh but that's oh, been fun, right? If you if you really want to hear us like make fun of ourselves for a podcast, we did an episode uh, around a hundred and twenty, I think, maybe even B one twenty, where we I went back like and one hundred two or something. Roasted. Let me go. Out. Actually, I'll look right here. I thought it was like just after we did it hit a hundred. Give me a second. No, it was. So it was episode one twenty nine where we went back and roasted ourselves. I had a buddy of mine cut some, take the first episode and cut it into audio clips, some funny parts of that, and then we went back through. With him on there, uh, and we played the audio clips back and uh, made fun of ourselves and laughed a lot. The junk trash matrix. The junk trash matrix. So not only do you have, you know, we we love your reviews, but we're still got a box of half dozen wood duck decoys and a GPS to give away when we hit 2,000 members in the group. And we really haven't been promoting that recently, but we're pretty close. It's 1,600 members in the Under Pressure Pressure Outdoors Nation group on Facebook. Hey, look, if nobody wants them decoys, I'll take them. Right? <laughs> Isn't that what happened to the first set that I bought? You yeah. took them because you couldn't wait for years to come in the mail, and then, and I then traded gave me you out. Yeah. yeah. It was a, you know, a half dozen for a half dozen. It was. Half dozen wood ducks for a half dozen wood ducks. You just didn't want to wait for the shipping. It was the same decoys. I just yeah. needed them. <laughs> you let Jim get some tangle-free decoys, and then he leaves them you know, wherever he hunts for somebody <laughs> the next day to find. They were labeled. It was. And that was a warning not to hunt there. Because we done smashed them we the day before. <laughs> Kill them all. So, Jim, you just got back from another sabbatical across the pond. Yeah. We got yeah. you back for a week and then lost you for another three. Two. <laughs> I was back for two weeks and gone for two, I think. I don't know. I had a cousin get married in the Netherlands. She's lived there for, man, maybe 30 years. Mm. Um, not Second marriage or... At least second marriage, um, but at least I've always been distant. I, I don't want to get into the whole. <laughs> All right, I, very briefly to give you an idea who my aunt was, and, and she has also recently passed. But she was one of Dionne Warwick's psychic friends. 
uh, tried to run a scam on Gary Busey of all people. Like, if you're going to pick a Hollywood <laughs> actor and you're a scam on Gary Busey is probably not top of the list. But so because of that, I've always been distant from my cousins. But uh, with her passing and then my grandmother passing, and when my cousin invited us to come to her wedding in the Netherlands, I thought that was a, a big gesture and we decided to go. But since we were going all that way and I wanted to see Scotland, uh, my wife really wanted to see England. My mom wanted to see England. They had already been to Scotland without me. We uh, we jumped over there, and, man, we rented a car and drove all over the British Isles. And then we, while in London, you know, some of the folks that are friends with me on Facebook saw that I made a post about that if I was still in London, I would have thrown a whole box of Earl Grey in the Thames. But while I was there, I think last day of June or so, I we got off a we did a little river cruise on the Thames, and I had to walk across the bridge. And there was a guy selling soft drinks, and there was Lipton tea, and I'm like, ooh, look, 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 look. So I did, I did pour a tea in the Thames. Uh, probably not the first to do so. And then uh, there's a reason they sell the Lipton tea right there. Probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, and then we went over to the Netherlands, and. I don't want to turn the whole podcast into it, but it was uh, it was eye opening just seeing. Yeah, you know, United States if something's two hundred years old, we can't get within a hundred yards of it. And over there, you just walk around; they don't even two hundred years is not even a blip on the radar. It's brand new. Yeah, but there's a lot of things I saw over there that um, that they are doing in Europe, and it's commonplace. They're a little worrying if they come here, but that's for another another conversation. But, yeah, not a lot of what they think of. Like they're really into the environment and preserving nature. There's just there's nothing to preserve in the way that we think of it. Right. It's it's already been logged, farmed, and they are very much into protecting the countryside. But there's no. There's not much of that left. Oh man, they, they got a hundred acres of trees. It's a big deal. If I'm going to go somewhere over over across the pond just to visit for a while, I think I'm going to Iceland. Yeah. It's the only place with no mosquitoes that's habitable by humans. St. James <laughs> Gate in Dublin. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. The reason you go to Iceland? Yeah. It's the only place with no mosquitoes that's habitable by humans? Yeah. Yeah. How nice that would be. I just want to go to the Guinness Brewery. I just want to <laughs> I just want to lay in a, lay out somewhere butt naked and watch a sunset. <laughs> You won't see that in Iceland. To, I not, well, that's true. It don't depends set. on what time of year. Not this time of year. Not this time of year. No, because no. it'd be a little too cold and without lay out butt naked when it does set. Though, yeah, we can work on that. Man, when I, <laughs> when, when I was in Scotland, it was still twilight at eleven thirty. You know, yeah, yeah, it's that far north. The only reason they can live there and, and, and farm the way they do and everything else is because the Gulf Stream crosses over and, and runs into Great Britain. Um, and then at three thirty in the morning. It's light again. I mean, by, by 5 you know o'clock, what? by four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, when I say it's light, I mean the sun is up light. Not like, oh, look, it's gray. It's, ow, my eyes hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> like, you say that, but, you know, it was, when I was in Iraq, I mean, it'd be four in the morning, the sun would be up. Huh. You're like, you're thinking it's dark, and then you open the door and you're like, oh, it's like daylight. <laughs> Well, a lot of that, that all depends on terrain, too, because you go, like, go up into the, the Smokies, right? Yeah. And it's dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you're in a valley. 
mm-hmm. because and it don't get light until yeah. eleven. Or in the if day. you're on the right side of the mountain, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're in a valley between two mountains, it ain't light till eleven o'clock in the day and and dark yeah. at three in the afternoon. And it's just because you know, so you get a, a flat landscape in a, in a desert landscape. You're mm-hmm. gonna get sunrise and sunset later because there's nothing to block it. Yeah. Well, as far as Iceland goes, fly Iceland Air. Like, if you want to say go to Ireland, I don't legitimately want to go to Iceland. I mean, I would go to Iceland. I think it'd be cool, but it's not just it's just a joke. My cousin went. Yeah. Yeah. My not the cousin that got married. Her brother. Uh. They went to Iceland on the way over because Iceland Air, you book one trip from, in their case, the Carolinas to, let's say, the Netherlands, but you can have up to a four-day layover. You know how normally you have to fly through a city, you lay over for an hour or two? Yeah. Up there, you could structure it so that they'll let you lay over for as, as much as four days and it doesn't change the terms of your airfare. Nice. Just tell them how long you want to stay in Iceland. And it's designed to get people to do just that. Right. And they went to Reykjavik and then all these different pretty awesome sites, glaciers and springs and volcanoes. And I said it's uh, I just want to go try the native beers. Yeah. Just a trip to drink beer. Yeah. Sounds like a good trip. I've had, I've had like canned British beer and it was garbage. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't remember what it was. It doesn't travel well. I can believe that. Like I'd rather go there and, and I'd try the same one again, not in a can. I'd rather try it on tap. They have yeah. like, from what I know, I don't know if Jim might be able, to, but I think like they don't have like Budweiser. Yeah, I they don't do. Want Budweiser. They have Bud Light over there. Do they really? Nobody drinks it there either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they have like, you go to a, a a tavern there, and they like brew their own beers. What I, my understanding. We went to several pubs, and you'd see one or two. But actually, over here, if you go to a beer place, um, that's known like that's their thing. I'm sure they had that over in in in, in Great Britain. Um, they have a lot of ciders, believe it or not. But yeah. I didn't see like this vast it. array of. Usually, you saw a lot of Guinness, as you can imagine, mm. um, and then there might be just a couple other beers. Um. Believe it or not, I hate to say it, man. I saw a lot of things like Shock Top, and, oh, really? and beer you can get anywhere, and you know, and they drink a lot of Italian beers. Peroni. Oh, I like mm. that. Yeah. I like Peroni. You know, Stella Peroni, Amstel. Peroni goes great with a with a nice chicken parm. Yeah, but uh, it was not what you'd think. Hmm. But maybe I didn't go to the right places. I was not spending a whole lot of time in pubs since I was traveling with my seventy eight year old mother and my wife. I'll do it. Yeah. And as I say that uh, that goes really great with chicken parm, that feels very American of me to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goes well with fish and chips, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, well, we got a few things. Do you have any, wait, real quick. Do you have any bangers and mash? Uh, like the real stuff? Well, yeah, I had Cumberland sausage. Okay. Cumberland sausage is the sausage you use in bangers and mash, but I didn't specifically order bangers and mash. I've had it before. Yeah. Um, but I am definitely going to, next season, once I knock something down, especially if I knock something down that's young, or if I knock down a pig, there will be some Cumberland sausage. Oh, I got to, speaking of some <clears throat> stuff, I got to send you guys home with some of this crawfish macaroni and cheese that Amanda made. One, one, one more question. Did you have any haggis? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll be making haggis. Haggis, bangers, and mash. 
You're going to bring some haggis in? Blood pudding. Yeah, I'll bring haggis mm. in. I'll try it. From what I've seen of traditional haggis, it does Don't not be a baby. sound very appetizing. I just, he said blood pudding is the only thing I'm Oh, it's fantastic. About. You would not. It's I'll not what it. you think. I'd it's try blood pudding. Listen, I sat here haggis. one night. and black, ate, I said black pudding. Listen, I said blood, black pudding. I, I sat here one night and ate coot livers on a cracker. I'll yeah. try anything at this point. Yeah. Black pudding <laughs> is not pudding at all. It's... uh. It's got a lot of oats or grain and things yeah. like that, and it's actually pretty s- substantial sausage. Um, but man, uh, one last goofy story: we were driving through because man, if I can if I can get off a highway, I get off the highway. So we were right. kind of cutting through and going through. And I can't even remember the name of the town, little dinky town in Scotland. And we're hungry. We just pull up this uh, small restaurant, Dino's, in Scotland. Dino, right? And it's takeaway place. There's no tables. You walk in. It, it is the, it was the Scotland version of the the fry glass that you see at a Southern gas station. <laughs> it was awesome. You go in and, and and they had, and I did. I I got I got haggis. I said I'll take a haggis, and it didn't come in the stomach, but it was man, it was, ten inches long and. Rather phallic, tell you the truth, but it was just big, like hot dog of haggis, and then <laughs> lightly breaded. There for a second, it didn't sound like he was talking about any kind. Yeah, of that's hot said, dog. Lightly rather, breaded, rather phallic, <laughs> and deep fried, and it was fantastic. That and some fish and chips. Oh, but like anything else, it's the fried food counter is always the right. best, and that's true in Scotland as well. It was one of the best meals we had. So, have you ever had my wife's macaroni and cheese? No. Okay, so she like makes some homemade macaroni and cheese. I've never seen somebody put so many different kinds of cheese into macaroni and cheese. Um, and we took some of the crawfish from the crawfish boil, that sack I took home. We peeled it all, stuck it in a vacuum bag, vacuum sealed it, and put it in the freezer. We're going to do something with it later on. And she was making macaroni and cheese to take to her mom's house, 4th of July. I was like, hey, let's take some of that. She had extra noodles, needed to make another batch of macaroni and cheese, cooked too much, or made too much cheese, had to make more noodles. <clears throat> so she, uh, I said, hey, let's thaw that crawfish out. Let's make some crawfish macaroni and cheese. So she did that and then added some Old Bay, a little bit of Old Bay, and um, some of that crab boil, like the oil you put into a crab boil, and just a touch in there. And then took some butter crackers and crunched those up and took them and pan-seared them in butter itself. Oh. And then... Sprinkled that over top, a little crumbly on top. You know, I told her because I, I, I tried the first bite. I was like, "This is perfect," but all it's missing is that that bit of crunch at the top. I said, "You got to like make some sort of breading on top," and that's what she did for that. It's killer. There's a bunch of it over there in the fridge that didn't. I was pretty much the only one that chowed down on it at the party. Everybody else tried a little bit. But- Hit the pause button, brother. Let's get some mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is killer. Killer, killer. Yeah, I'll take some home. But I got to leave. Or some have for, a little, have a little some before we leave. I got, yeah, I can I definitely do that. I got to leave some for Larry. I told Larry he could have some. He hasn't been able to make it over here to get any because this week has literally been a week full of Mondays at work. But if he left us a nice five star review, I should probably at least make sure he gets some <laughs> crawfish. I have to go cheese. back and double check, make sure it was five. <laughs> Better been five. No mac and cheese. <laughs> Sit tight, we'll be right back with a word from our sponsors.
As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel, from business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters. We all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Rome is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamas.com. That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N V H A M M E S dot com offices, Florida and South Carolina. Oh, but you know, we talked about this before the podcast, and I said we put one of the subjects down when is hunting not hunting? And the reason that came to mind was because I'm sitting here looking at this koozie. This says, have a, pl- a pheasant plucking day. What a transition. Back to Scotland and England. <laughs> As you can imagine. Right. I, I have to ask that question. Y'all hunt. Oh, yeah, we hunt. It's rabbits and pheasants. Because it's all farmland. Um, bird hunting. But it's, it, it is for the upper crust. It's, the, it's wealthy. Because it's expensive as hell to get on the land, and the access to guns is so challenging. So, and and people might they like schedule a hunt. I mean, I guess we do too, but I mean, it's not like you look forward to hunting season. You get out your things. You're applying to WMA. It's no man. It's um, and they they used to have elk, Irish elk. Mm-hmm. They used they to were, have bears. Irish elk are absolutely massive. You used were, to be. Were. Yeah. They wiped all those things out about yeah. a thousand years ago. And that was one of the big takeaways. As I start thinking about things, you think, well, oh, we got to preserve game over here. And we're doing a fantastic job. We really are because we have so many species on the come up. And you can't blame the people walking around now for like poor man land management. They're like bananas about it. Like to the point of like, that's just sick. The problem is they wiped everything out. 800 AD, 1,000 AD, was gone. Yeah. <laughs> so they already ate it. But the the have a pheasant plucking day, where I got that was at the tower shoot we did in Alabama. That ain't hunting. It's not hunting by any means. It was still fun. It was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. I, and we the ate thing, the bejesus out of the yeah, pheasants, we, right? <laughs> the only thing I could compare that to is uh, it, it was like shooting chickens. Because they're they're pen raised and they're throwing them out of a tower. I would say, except so, for if you launched them out of slingshots. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, pheasants are more apt to fly, yeah. I think, than chickens are. Of course, I think if you threw a chicken out of a hundred foot tower, it might clear what cloud will quite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I saw pheasants Wham! run. Yeah, pheasants <laughs> run straight into pine trees, all on their own accord. Not a shot fired. Just bam, dead. 
into a pine tree <laughs> and, and stuff like yeah, that. that. That's but, not hunting anymore. But I know if you spent any time on social media, you've seen somebody comment on someone's post. That's not hunting. High fence branches. That's just I'm just saying that's one of those things where most people are like, that's it's, not hunting. Right. Or or you can, running deer with dogs or yeah. hunting with a crossbow or no, that's hunting just over bait. I everybody it's, it's what's a matter of opinion. Right. Yeah. The whole question is is based on a matter of opinion. When is hunting not hunting? Oh, we already talked about opinions. Right. Yeah. This is almost like what's a sport versus what's an activity. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, tower, tower shoots. Shoot. Tower shoots are activities. But okay. Well, if you're going to compare to that, is hunting pen raised quail is that not hunting anymore? Activity. No, it's an activity. A- anything in my my opinion, we don't have to canonize this. If it is, if it, if if you are dropping the hammer on livestock, you are not hunting. You can sit there and talk to Keith at Piney Woods, who does pin raised quail hunts, and he will tell you it's not the same. It's way easier to shoot pin raised quail. Yeah. They're slow. Well, they fly different. They're slow and they're stupid. You can sometimes pick them up. Yeah. And I, I've done it a lot, and I love it. Listen, it's, it's still you, a hell of a lot of fun. When you're hunting okay. a bird, but and it ain't the same. I mean, price, I've never done it. The price, depending on the pin raised quail, you don't just go there and you're like, well, I need five dozen quail. You go there and you buy five dozen. You say five dozen quail. They're going to say, what grade? Yeah. Yeah, when they start talking about the grade. Right. <laughs> you're you're going livestock. You want, not. Yeah, you want, the, you want the slow, stupid ones or you want the fast, stupid ones. Right. Yeah. So, you, so it, versus live quail are very weary. Yeah, that right. I can understand. Right. Or like I say live quail. Wild quail are very weary. They still use dogs to point them up and stuff yeah though. yeah and, and and some places will set them loose and let them cubby up and but there's also places where they put them in a trap and yeah, spring them up out of the ground that's even worse yeah it is i can I, see i can see doing that for dog training purposes right that's a little different i would think but even then hunting pen raised quail training a dog on all pen raised quails and, and then you go to hunt wild quail the the dog even trying to point because the dog's going to point too close to it. No, no, no. I tell you that if it's done right, Murphy, Brian Irish's yeah. dog Murphy, uh, obviously was trained on pen raised birds and things like that. And that that dog's killed more fr- birds than smallpox. Man, I mean, it, <laughs> he he can hunt. That's also so, going to be the dog too, and not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the trainer, and yeah. I don't think the dogs know the difference. I mean, they might. They, they just point, you know, and there it is. Go get it. I'd almost put money on it. The dog can tell the difference. Probably. I guarantee. Almost put but they, money on they it. Just they just smell the, the difference yeah. in a pen raised bird and a wild bird. Yeah. You're gonna have to come up off a of, off a of vacation day and come up this year and do that tower shoot. I might have yeah. to. Ain't, ain't no might have to. You're gonna have to. Well, you told me a little late too. Hey, I want to go back this year and do a tower shoot. There's your advance warning. Yeah. It's July. I don't know what it is, but I want to go. Again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm about to bring the dog, though, if I can. You can. A lot of people had dogs. And actually, I had Bell. It was actually fairly um, convenient to have water dogs because yeah. you're hunting. Go get them up off the pond. Yeah, you're hunting pheasant over a pond. <laughs> Maybe Libs will do a little bit better than Bell because I tried to send Bell on like a 150 yard water retrieve and she. Oh, I don't know. She that. got about 100 and wasn't having the rest of the 50. Well, the, that, the, the problem with it was is not only that when Bell would pick up a pheasant, though, from the water, 
she'd bring it to the edge and she's like, (laughs) I don't know. She would look at you like, why? What the hell did you send me at? Yeah. (laughs) And I I bet she kind of does that with doves. She doesn't really necessarily like them in her mouth a whole lot. Yeah. But it's like, because, you know, you just pick up a dove and feathers fall off of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I'll say that's the weird thing with Belle is you shoot a dove and she will like, She's trying to eat it. If it's limp, no, she doesn't try to eat it, but she's just, she hates him. If it's if it's like a limp bird and it'll still kind of try and fly, she will snatch it out of the air. Oh, Liberty, but just hates him. Liberty caught a cripple there that one time. So when is, when I, pr- I pose a question to you gentlemen, when is hunting not hunting? When it's livestock versus. I would agree with Jim wild. when you're shooting livestock. I mean, yeah. high fence, you might be able to argue. A little bit that it could be hunting. Yeah, I was gonna say they're not quite livestock, but and when I say when I say high fence, I mean like not high fence for birds, because usually those are like it's called an apiary. It requires but, a fence over the top. But go ahead. I mean, I'm referring <laughs> to like pen raised birds versus yeah. that have been put out for somebody to shoot versus a deer that's only so, grown up on the same hundred acres its whole life and hadn't. Wasn't able to roam free and get out of the fence. I'll, I'll put a little caveat on my livestock thing. Using quail as an example. If you go to a quail plantation, because they don't get them all, right? And the foxes yeah. and, and don't get them all either. Once those birds have been out there for a week or two, if they they figure the, the jig up mm, quick. They get man. the game then? Like, yeah, oh yeah. When you... Because we've done that. You, know, you go out and, and they're, they're walking you out to where the birds are supposed to be and all of a sudden the dog points. And, and, and you'll see the guy's like, oh, I think we got a covey of leftovers, mm-hmm. right? And you know, you're kind of expecting the thing like you're going to get right up on them and you know, mm-hmm. maybe you have to kick them up. Uh-uh. Them suckers are just like wild birds. Gone. Like they have figured out everything out here hates them. <laughs> right or loves them depending on how you look at it. it I was gonna say, Keith said with the pheasants that they're too dumb and they just die. Well, you had that one that was running around for a hot minute. Yeah, that rooster <laughs> that was running around for a hot. Yeah, minute. but I chased one down with a shotgun, beat it over the head with the butt of my like. <laughs> I I like straight well, yeah, up that happy. Was, that I, was fresh out of the box. Yeah, I straight up happy Gilmore that thing. <laughs> that was fresh out of the box, and I yeah. think he was also wounded a bit. I don't know. It was either that or shooting the direction of my dog. So, yeah. Well, oh, shit. Now that and I have to put another caveat, we're talking about pheasants. When you, when you, if you go out west or you go to Kansas, whatever. Although there are definitely birds that survive and they survive the winter and they figure it out. The way that a lot of those birds are find their way out into the into the fields is they have a breeding program and they selectively try to just take rooster chicks and then they'll, they'll put them in, they put them in this pen or this house when they're little, right? No, no mama. Cause I guess, I guess pheasants actually, they don't stick around with, with a mom very long anyway. Right. But, and they have a water and a little bit of feed or this machine feeds them and waters them when they're supposed to. So that they survive inside this little hut, and then uh, it'll be out there in the CRP fields. And then when the pheasants get big enough, they just wander off on their own. But that's why if you go and do a, a hunt 
on private land or, or, or even like a private public thing, it's like almost every bird you flush is a rooster. That's because I mean they're wild birds, but they're semi wild. They're not they're it's, not hatching out of eggs in a nest in the cornfield. They were they were put they were they were assisted pretty heavily right right from the egg into that habitat and then they wandered off and became wild birds on their own that way. But they didn't they, they don't just naturally manifest. Right. But I still think that's hunting. I was going to say that seems to kind of be an, an assist in conservation. Yeah, but it's it's like uh, it was livestock at one point. When did well, it stop? <laughs> okay, know? so what about wood duck nesting boxes? That's true. Yeah, you're you're just creating habitat though. You're not you're not taking the eggs, incubating them, and then let's for whatever reason just releasing the drakes. We're not we're not incubating the eggs, but we are ensuring that every year we they come back to a nice clean nest there's not dead birds in the bottom there's fresh media it's the you're trying to create the perfect nesting environment in order to induce a better success rate well that's still hunting right and i think the pheasant thing is still hunting because it's you didn't raise it to adulthood you know and just cut the leash two minutes before the hunter comes along. as long as they don't <laughs> as long as they don't blow the horn first before the yeah. birds start flying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh but no, you, you talk about high fence, and I'm sure I would think inside of a 100-acre high fence where they're like, all right, we're going to turn this deer loose for you and go find it. Yeah, that, that'd but be more the livestock a, situation. If you're on a 7,000-acre high fence where the the high fence is there to control um, ge- genetics and uh, – like the breeding population and, and the quality of deer inside of there. Yeah. Ver- and you're, you're really hunting, you know, I'm sure the deer density is a lot higher than it would be in that piece without a high yeah, fence. Cause you're also controlling the predators. Right. You're, well. you're keeping deer in a controlled environment, but you're not, um, handling the deer. Yeah. So much that they would seem like uh, they're still uh, at, I, to an extent, very weary of, of human contact. Yeah. I mean that that's I think that's the the line there when the animal doesn't have a choice or well I guess it does have a choice but doesn't know any better anymore to have that fear of humans and that kind of like defeats the purpose see that that's the thing is somebody's not going like with Jim talking about the pheasants in in Kansas somebody's not going in that pen every day and like hand feeding these birds or whatever you know what I mean right Though, yeah, I guess there's some big they, ranches in Texas. They do that purposely have. limit the amount of human contact those birds have. Right. Well, there's ten, there's there's big ranches in Texas that the animals can't leave. But let's say, uh, what do you call them? The um, uh, the poor man sheep hunt. The uh, oh crap, big brown sheep. I know what you're talking really about, sheep. but I can't think of what it's it's called either. It's like a goat. It looks like a goat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an exotic. It is, but they're they they were they were brought in a gazillion years ago into Texas, and they're on ranches and things like that up in these mountains. But they're not. I mean, they're just reproducing naturally. They they couldn't leave, but I don't think they try. Right, they're just they're up on these mountains because that's where they live. Right, and uh, or or some of the other big animals that are over there. Um, I think that they are busy doing, you know, the planes game that they've brought in. They're doing their thing, 
Uh, I think they are assisted from the same fact that there's feeders and things like that, but I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, for me, I got to say, right, if you put a fence around and it can't leave, uh, or certainly it'd be pretty easy, like, you order up like, oh, I want to kill a deer of a certain size and a certain specification, and they literally order it in on a truck, and it arrives 24 hours before you go right. out and shoot it, not hunting. Right, yeah. But is it free-range? Does I guess that's it. Does the animal know it's behind a fence? Well, I, mean, I, I don't think they, so. They never do. You know, has it got a tattoo? It's got a tattoo. Right. It's probably Doesn't not have an ear tag. <laughs> Does it have a hole from where it had an ear tag? Yeah. 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 Uh, so um, you, you talk about the sheep, and I said goats, and made me think about um, interesting. Barbary ever, sheep. Yeah. You ever heard of a How dead. That's what they're called. So when they, they have a, I believe it's New Zealand, where they have a, a bad goat problem. With like with actual wild, goats. Yeah, like actual goats. Wild goats that got out just destroying all the native forage. And they hired helicopter, like contract hunters and helicopters, hunters, killers, whatever, to kill the sheep. And they were finding, or the goats, and they're finding that they're, after a while, they come and become impossible to find. You ever heard of the Judas goat? Yeah. They take one goat and put a tracking collar on it. And then they go in there. Whenever it finds another group of goats, they kill all the goats except for the Judas goat. And then it goes and finds another group of goats until you have killed all the goats except for the Judas goat. Then they kill the Judas goat. I believe in nice. South Florida they do the same thing with pythons. I don't think pythons are pack animals. No, no, but it, it, they do it during the breeding season. I think maybe. I've, but I've, oh, that makes sense. Go put it on a big male, and is it round? That brings up or an they put interesting it, question. It, they do one. It's either with the male or the female. I can't remember which. But they send the one snake out, and then somehow they go. They watch it or something, and it brings up another one or something. So I can't remember. But it's been a while since I heard that. If and I, I bring that up to pose this question: Is helicopter hunting hunting no. for Piggies? pigs? No. Yeah. I think it's. I, I think it it gives you an unfair advantage because you're hurting. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it. It at that but, point. I mean, okay, you are. Uh, so if if helicopter hunting for hogs isn't, what about these guys that run them down on airboats? What's the difference there? Just I'm not saying in any the, of it, well in I mean, the air or in the airboat. Run, run well. The difference it, it, there is the pig can could get away from you. I think well, in, a, in, a, in a helicopter, you're you're eliminating fair okay, chase, which yeah. is what. Did, what if the helicopter runs it into some trees? Hover over top of it till you run them back out. But you can only do that with pigs because pigs right. are considered game animals. Yeah, they're, right. they're invasive. Of course, but we all I, I disagree still that quote, if you live in unquote, Florida, they're not invasive. But well, it, I disagree that based on the amount of time they've been here and the other species that have also been here, we don't consider invasive. They're not invasive. They're destructive. Yeah. Right. They're a nuisance animal. Yes. Not necessarily invasive species. They've been here longer than uh, most of the people that came over. You know, they came with the Spanish and well before any of the, the pilgrims were here. Uh, so, but you, like I said, pigs, they're a nuisance and you, the, the, they can't really get away from a helicopter. In the area where helicopter hunting is popular in Texas, there isn't a, large stand of trees where they could go hide yeah. but they don't typically do that either they just keep running because something's chasing them from the sky yeah but with an airboat you can only go so far you can only go so far on dry land in an airboat yeah 
So I don't know. It's it just you know nothing is is hunting at night with thermals is hunting for pigs. We all it, hunt it's, yes, pigs, but they're right? pigs. Right, I understand that they different. Yeah, but he's right. You you quote unquote hunt pigs. Okay, yes. so if it was because the pig doesn't know that it's not supposed to be there. If yeah, it was hunting, if yeah. it if it wasn't illegal, would you want a deer hunt at night with a thermal scope? Hell yeah, sure. If it wasn't illegal, I've never done it. There you go. I've never done it. <laughs> but if you know what I'm saying, if it's, it's legal for pigs, so nobody thinks anything about it, right? Right. But God forbid you did that for for to hunt deer. Do it for coons. With a thermal? You know, but if it was legal, everybody'd be doing it. Right. The point of it being legal for pigs is that they're a nuisance, just yeah. like coyotes and everything else. You well, I mean, I, I, I considered I, a quote-unquote game. I animal, understand but. why, but I mean, I'm saying so. I mean, if you if you could call it hunting for one thing, why couldn't you call well, it for something like, else? You go back far enough before we had game laws and things. Guys would go around waiting, and they'd find a roost tree, like for turkeys or, or even feathered birds and things like that. They didn't go out there and plunk them one at a time like we do. They'd mm-hmm. figure out where the roost tree is, come back at night, with a bunch of shotguns and a loader. Yeah. <laughs> Your job is to load boom, 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 right? Or punt guns and things like that. So back then it was hunting. Today, you don't get to hunt again for seven years in any was state. It? I was, was going to say, because it was legal. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's true. It wasn't hunting. It was work. Fair it's enough. True. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I was going to say, and th- thankfully, we still have species because those practices were eliminated. It, well, it was market hunting, which in, was done for wages, not for food. Although, though, I'm sure there was food garnished out of it. There was, but it was done primarily for for wages. Yeah, that was right. It was market hunting versus recreational sporting. Right. right. So um, that's why we are referred to as sportsmen. All right. So we're going to just get off that one. Bucket list animals. Or a bucket list hunt. Sandbar deer. Really? Man, I just... And I don't mean to discount that, right? There's just... But it's, it it's seems... Like that, it's that one Florida animal that I want to... I mean, technically, it's a public land animal. So, I, there's just not a lot of people that have... You ask... The majority of people you ask them for, like, you're like, yeah, I want to go on a sandbar hunt. They're like, if, if I gave What's you a all, the money, all the money... You no matter what you wanted to hunt right now, it's funded. You would still choose to go hunt sandbar deer. You oh, could go no. to New Zealand and hunt them. No, I was gonna say no. But on on my budget and and where I'm at now, sandbar deers. If you funded funded my hunt, I'm getting a governor's tag, and we're shooting. I want to shoot a bighorn sheep. Bingo, sheep. Yeah, come on, man. I was gonna say if that, or if sheep's not at the top of your list, you're a broken human being. Bighorn yeah, sheep really? has been at the top of my list ever since I was a little kid. And it was a nature documentary, and on the front of that thing, you just see two of them just oh, beating the mm-hmm. shit out of each other. And I was like, I want to kill one of those. I want to kill one. Yeah. And I wish I'd have known when I was a little kid that, hey, buddy, you should probably tell your dad we should start putting in for tags now. Yeah. Because even if I put in for tags today, I'm not probably not going to draw one before I die. Well, you pay the big money, go to Canada. Yeah. Technically, uh, I've already got one. But I, but I got to do it. I, I want to do it in, in, the, in the desert environment. Oh, even, yeah, it's yeah. already hard enough. Let's go do desert bighorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think your kids don't even have a chance at this point. No, no, <laughs> you know, like, no. 
Uh, yeah. No, you have to start putting in uh, your kids before they're born for that. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Start, buy some documents start putting start in for them. Ryland and Carson right now. Even then, like... The the problem with that too is is just because it's my dream doesn't mean it's going to be theirs. And uh, do they get a guest? Yeah, but by the time <laughs> they draw it, if I'm lucky, I'm eighty. You know, I'm 80. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hold them back. <laughs> <laughs> you but, know, modifying that a little bit, like not so much. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, we talk about sheep or elk or you know mountain goats, all real interesting. But you know. For me, things that um, I would really like to hunt that are not necessarily nearly as high on the list is the different kinds of quail. Mm, yeah. Are, especially the ones that are out west. Right. Um, oh, what is that one in Arizona? Scald quail. It might be it. Yeah, there's a And then there's chucker. But the different, you know, going out and it's a different thing, or, or, or even some of the, the, um, Prairie chickens and sage grouse. Uh, sage grouse, you know, where the idea is you're going to go, you get behind the dog and you just march and march and march and march and march and hopefully you knock one down, you know, um, just, I don't know, just want to, want to get a sage grouse someday. If, if I look at on the obtainable spectrum of things, uh, that I would like to hunt, I would, if I could... <laughs> A hunt that I could guarantee success on, and then you really couldn't even do it. Uh, it it'd be really hard to guarantee success, but to go and hunt, uh, seek a deer in Maryland, dude. I would love to do that. That's another one. Call was it Call of the Wild that got me on that one? Watching him hunt seek a deer, and they're screaming in their little horns and their vampire yeah. teeth. I mean, they're nasty little boogers. Meat eater did one on them. Yep. I'm talking about when I was a kid. This is another yeah. thing that got me when oh, I was yeah. a kid. Oh, yeah, Call the Wild, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It wasn't Call the Wild. Mind, I wouldn't mind going no, uh, to... Uh, under, under Wild Skies. Oh, That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind going to, to Argentina to do some bird hunting. Jason Gonder. He did it. I know. I'm saying it's not something that's unattainable. It's just... You know... It's expensive. It's yeah. it's a lot expensive because, well, they're good at it too, from what I understand. You know, they they've got you got your. I don't mean to be derogatory. You got your boy, mm-hmm. right? And that guy is at your beck and call. He's like a manservant. Um, I mean, loading shotguns for you, handing stuff, calling your leads. You want coffee? They'll they'll run down and get coffee, right? But they are really good at making sure that you go through the ammo. Do you, oh, you pay per box too, don't you? More like pallet. More <laughs> like pallet. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to go through a lot of ammo. So, like you, 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 you go to the Ducks Unlimited banquet. And let's say you get a steal on one of those hunts. You, you get it for their minimum. Um, and you split it up with the guys. You still got to pay for your airfare, and that's right. not too bad. And you think, ah, oh, we're there, and then. You actually start commencing to shoot, and, and that's when, I mean, it's like every time you pull the trigger, the cash register goes off. Ka-ching, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's no, from what I understand, there's just there's just no shortage. They're like locusts. And then parakeets come in, you know, parakeeto. Like, <laughs> I want to go do it, but I just got back from Europe for two weeks, and I didn't spend as much as it cost to go on a three-day bird hunt in Argentina. 
right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. It's I like mean, seven, I, eight grand at the door. It's it's one of those things. Like I would like to do that, sure, but it's not anywhere near the top of the things. I I like to hunt birds, but when you talk to me and you're like bucket list hunt, none of the top ten involve anything that flies. I'm yeah. I'm big game, all the way. I I just that that's how I, I was I was raised as a big game hunter and I love to bird hunt. Yeah. Dude, I love bird hunting. Love chasing snipe, love shooting doves, love hunting ducks. But when it comes down to it, like I'm uh I guess you would you couldn't call it a fair weather duck hunter cuz when we had the lease in Georgia where we had a good wood duck hole, if I woke up in the morning and it was pissing rain, like I'm like ah. Not going to the deer stand. Grab the shotgun. Go down there and stand in the rain. If I'm going to stand, sit in the rain, I'm going to go sit in the duck hole, or I'm going to kill some ducks. But on a good morning, I wake up like, ooh, nice, cold, crisp, clear. Let's go kill a deer. <laughs> yeah. mm. I like duck hunting and I like bird hunting because it's something that we can do right here in the backyard. I don't have to plan a weekend away. I don't have to disappear for the weekend. I can disappear for the till lunch and come home and have something to eat. Uh, whereas deer hunting, like you're, I'm, I'm there all day. Even if I'm around here, I'm there all day. I'm there the whole weekend. I might sleep here, but I'm hunting all weekend. Whereas hunting ducks, I'm there in the morning. We don't really hunt ducks in the afternoon. We have, and we've been successful, but it's not commonplace to do that. Provides me with a little more time. You, you get the, you get a chance to hunt, but also take care of some of the honeydew list in the same day. So how about like a, a moose hunt? I'd love to do a moose hunt. That'd be um, cool. Those things are huge. Yeah. Speaking of moose and speaking of birds, Maine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was just talking about that today. I'm thinking about this because originally when you brought this up, I was like, technically I've already got one because I was a little kid when they started doing the. Um, we were pretty young when they started doing the the statewide alligator harvest program, and when I was a kid. I wanted to do that. And I've got one. The other one was I wanted to hunt a bear. I wanted to get oh, a I'd love to do that too. But see, Maine. in all Maine, reality, yeah. like part of that, I want to do it in my backyard though. And when I say bear, I don't mean literally kill a bear in my backyard. I mean like You're home, a Florida Florida. black bear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that. will get there. Uh, I, I would really like to. I'd, I'd really other like than to go that, in, in elk. And probably yeah. in. I, to be specific, probably Colorado. I was going to say, hear me out. I wouldn't have to go to like, I mean, I'm sure like Arizona would be like phenomenal, but. There are better states for it. I don't doubt that. Uh, That are less crowded. I can talk to you about one specifically after this where you can go, we can go hunt elk for uh, like 45 bucks. No, you can. Yes, you can. Plus airfare. I'm not a disabled veteran now. Mm. You could be. You could Probably. be if you'd go to the damn VA. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so but you talk about elk and stuff like that, but how many times have you thought about trying to go hunt like a caribou? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. The, but I the mean, herds are, are, oh, have gone thing. through, have really shrunk because one of the things that I thought was pretty cool at one point, man, you could go up and like into Quebec. Um, Is that how you say it? There's a hundred different ways. That okay. Just Quebec, curious. Quebec. It depends. This it's, says it's, it's, it's Manitoba. Regional. Yeah. Well, there's 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 different caribou. But you used to be able to go to places 
where you'd kind of stay in town, so to speak. Right. And then you'd, you'd go drive like two hours out on a four-wheeler to get out to where, and then try to track down the herds. And you couldn't take, you couldn't shoot them from the four-wheeler. Right. But the idea of kind of like banging around in, in northern Canada on a four-wheeler, that, that alone's fun as hell. And then the yeah, idea I, of, man, knocking something down and then gutting it out, throwing it on the four-wheeler and driving two hours back, sign me up. I'd love to do the caribou hunt from like the float plane, fly in, stay there. Alaska style. Yeah, Alaska style. Or uh, on along that same hand, um, do a – you talk about elk hunt? Yeah. Do a horse pack camp. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Something like that where you're packing Another everything one. in via mule train, staying in the wall tent. Another one, and I just thought of this, would be, uh, oh crap, now it just left me. Just like that. Take him and gone. It did. Y'all distracted me and it's gone. Bison. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's, then you cool. go back to the winds hunting, not hunting. Not necessarily. I mean, there's <laughs> wild herds. I mean, if you did it, yeah. Yellowstone might not count. You better, you get, better, but the, 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 drop. but how? I mean, it's, they're not all you're going to livestock. Hunt, you're going to sheep hunt twice for you draw a wild a wild bison tag, right? <laughs> I've not read Ranella's book, but I've heard him tell the story. Like that, that was that was brutal, it. right? When he when he got his wild bison in Alaska, right? Just yeah. getting access. You had to be on the river. Both sides of the river were owned by the reservation. You couldn't hunt on them. But he happened to get his bison like in this little sliver that he could hunt. And I think all of his other guys had left. He was like, he had like another day or two just on his own, and he managed to knock it down. I think but, he did the whole th- trip, if I remember right. From is that the book, American Buffalo? Pretty much on his own. Oh, did he? Okay, I thought. Yeah, he American Buffalo. I need to read yeah. that one. I read that. Yeah, one. I haven't read it. All so, right. Evidently, in Newfoundland, uh, a moose hunt, like on the high end, Newfoundland has the the most amount of. Uh, they offer the the highest success rate. 7k on the higher end that's a fly-in that's actually remote not as hunt. terrible as i would think it would be yeah that's that's obtainable yeah but how much of that how much more are you spending in equipment mm. you should have most of your equipment already if they're if it's a guided hunt like i don't think they expect okay. you to bring your own wall tent okay. but now we go back to here that poses a question uh when to hire and not to hire a guide Right, obviously, uh, you overall should. success rates range from sixty to eighty percent. That ain't terrible either. I, anyway. I, I look at hiring, so I'm older too, and right. your perspective will change with age. Right, and we, and I, I don't want to believe what I do at the time sometimes about limited time, and you got all these things you want to do, and and there is certainly something to be said for figuring it out on your own. Right. But if you, I'll use an example. Let's say you want to go kill sandhill cranes or geese and well, Texas. so here's what I was. You're going to hire a guide. The guide's got all the shit, and then he's got the land access. Otherwise, you're just not getting that. It done. That was my big thing in hiring a guide. If I'm going to go out somewhere and I'm going to hunt ducks or geese somewhere in the central flyway, I'm going to hire a guide. And I'm not hiring a guide necessarily to teach me how to kill ducks. I understand how to kill a duck. I'm hiring a guide for their access, right? Because they have access that I otherwise no matter how hard I tried would be able to get uh, they have on the ground knowledge of that area but there's also 
like you said, you're older, you're more apt to hire a guide. I'm still of the age at 32 years old that I want me to do it. Me, I want to fight and grind to figure it out. I would 100% go out west on over-the-counter elk tag with no guide and just try and hammer out a cow. And I'd yeah. be happy with a cow. I'm not necessarily going out to kill the herd bull. If I get that lucky and do that, dude, that's amazing. But I'm not basing success off uh, going out there and killing a monster bull. I'm basing success off of going out there and uh, hearing and seeing elk. Right. right. It, it, like I, I, I found the right spot. There's actually elk here. I know that much. And if I go over the counter once, I can go over their counter again and I can take the second. If I'm not successful the first time, I can go back. But you, you, you talked about Colorado. It's a lot easier to get cow tags over the counter in Colorado than a lot of other places. Yeah. So you can go there. Just like you, we've talked about over the counter antelope tags in Wyoming, which I don't know. I think you may have to have a guide to do that. Some places require you to have a guide. I don't think so. It's just getting the access to the land is tough. Right. Some places require you to have a guide for what you're doing. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's, I think if you're going to hire a guide, a lot of it has to do with what is your mindset with that guide. If you hire the guide essentially to make it easy for you and all you really want to do is pull the trigger, um, you know, we're, we're, it, it's almost akin to high fence hunting. Right. right? They're going to go out and do all the scouting. They're going to walk you out there. You're going to lay down. You're going to shoot whatever you're shooting. Eh. I mean, I don't want to even say that that's all bad, but man, when I hire a guide, I wear that dude out. And what I, what I mean by that is I'm acquisitive already, but I'm, I, when I'm hiring a guide, I don't look at it as do the hard work so I can pull the trigger. I'm paying you tuition and right. I am going to milk every ounce I can get from that guide because the next time I go out, I want to be able to do it without the guide. So, I guess if you look at it, you are you are substituting money, say, in lieu of your dad's just not going to be able to teach you how to hunt everything, right? Right. But none of us really, in very few instances, did we just say, "I'm going to go figure out how to hunt that," right? And even if you did, well, what did you do? Did you just go out in the woods and hope it was there, or did you jump on YouTube? Did you read books? So hiring a guide is is a way to condense that, and you're trading time for money. If, if you're really trying to use that as tuition, right? We, you all went to trade schools or went to college, things like that. You could have figured it out given enough time. But that's just, that's how I'd encourage people to look at it. And But there's absolutely nothing wrong with like you just said, to say, no, I am going to do it really, really hard because when I have that success, I, it I, makes I, it, it makes that it much sweeter. feel pure. Yeah, I yeah. know that too. So yeah. when you talk about duck hunting, and hiring a guide. So, like, if I was going to go to Arkansas to duck hunt, I'd want to hire a guide. And not only – some of that is for the the experience of of the duck hunt. So, the guide's going to obviously scout access. But not only that, but a lot of times those guides have really awesome dogs. Dude. And I'm saying this for, like, a waterfowl hunt, a bird hunt, something like that. To be able to watch that dog work, especially for for wing shooting, to me that is that's half the game. If I'm gonna bird hunt and I'm gonna fly somewhere, I'm gonna bird hunt. I'm 
gonna hire a guide if yeah. my sole intention is to bird hunt now if we went to maine and uh, we're there to hunt on maine on moose tags and we see some grouse and we shoot them with a 22 it's different right it's small game additive but i'm not i i just when, when it comes to outside of birds well if i'm gonna go deep sea fishing i'm gonna hire a captain yeah because one i don't have the boat Two, I don't have the points. Three, I don't like to fish that much. <laughs> I don't like to fish to, to hold a fishing pole. I like to fish to catch fish. Yeah. So and I, but of course it's I'm not going to blame a captain. Yeah. It's but it's not the same thing. I like to hunt to be in the woods. I don't like to fish to hold a fishing pole. I don't get the same um, like peaceful feeling. I can sit in a tree stand all day and feel just at ease. I feel that way when I'm fishing. If I'm out early, right when the sun comes up, it feels nice. It's great. As soon as it gets hot, I'm like, no, nope, I'm done, man. I'm out. Yeah. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> or I get in the water, put the pole down, pick up the beer. That's, that's all I'm worried about for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, but when the fish are biting, like the other week, man, dude, oh, I was no. having a dang blast when we were out there fishing with the kids. I'd never touched a fishing pole other than the cats that I handed back to my kid uh, and watched them reel in the bass in. They were having a blast. We're going back. Well, I didn't catch a single. Oh yeah, hundred oh, yeah, percent. I, I didn't back. catch a single bass. I went here. You go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You catch him, not me. I, I caught, caught a turtle. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear guys like the the went to Colorado eleven years in a row and finally shot an elk. And I can appreciate that at that moment, that guy had an enormous sense of achievement. And if that. But I don't, just for me, I don't have that single sense of purpose where I would give up 11 seasons to, to hunt an elk because there's an opportunity cost. Now, maybe that guy's incredibly wealthy. I don't, I don't know anything about him where the idea of that, you know, he, he spent 11 seasons doing that and then he was also hunting, you know, caribou and antelope and 411 so, other things during but, his season. I, I don't know. But to me, it's like you only got so many, ti- so many times to go out and I don't think fine if you you, know, you go two three years and all you do is walk around and you don't get a shot at an elk man if it means that much to you, hire a guide because how many seasons are you going to spend doing that and then not being able to pursue another dream? if i gave you three consecutive months to kill an elk do you think you could do it uh, yeah three Same three thing. months sure he he spent would we'll give or take a week every time 11 weeks three months right but so yeah what i'm saying is i'm not i'm if not you've saying, only got that week to hunt right and you spend 11 years using your week. Well, if that's the only week you're going to hunt out of the entire year. I, I look at this, yeah. so I look at this from a perspective of I spend one week a year trying to kill an elk, and the rest of the year I'm shooting a whitetail. Versus if you told me you're not going to hunt whitetail this year, but you've got three months straight to kill one elk. Oh, well, heck yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I would, I would do that if, it's one, if I had three months. But if you compile the week by week by week basis and you continue because each week you're learning something new and you're gaining a new skill as an elk hunter now you put all 11 weeks back to back and it makes up roughly three months a little less than three months but now you spread that week out one week a year for 11 years if it took you three months to gain the skills to learn how to kill an elk it takes you you know 11 years 11 weeks 11 years it's I don't think it would, if you had three months consecutive, I don't think it would take you near as long to kill an elk because you're, no, you wouldn't. Your retention of knowledge would exactly. be fresher. 
and, and that's the point of that's kind of where we're going to saying the same thing maybe right. is that if you hire the guide, you're just condensing that because just hi- I know a bunch of guys that have hired guides to go for elk, they ain't get an elk. But you hire right. guides too, even for elk in Colorado. You hire guides for access because right. guides have access to this uh, four hundred acre piece of private land that butts up to uh, four thousand acres of landlocked BLM land that you can't otherwise get to. But they have access to that private land that puts you in the right spot where the elk herd is hiding. Otherwise, unless you can charter a helicopter or parachute in or whatever, I don't think you can. You can do that, can you? You could technically probably parachute in, but then you got to do like you know hire a C one thirty to drag hook you out like Vietnam and get you back out of there with your help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just my my whole thing on the guide really comes down to well, one, do whatever you want to do, have fun, it's your money, right? Right. But I would encourage. There's a lot of guys out there. I think. They look at the expense of a guide and they're like, oh, I just can't afford it. And I understand because I've been there. But when you really look at what the guided hunt costs, that's just a matter of discipline and setting aside a little bit of money in an envelope and you do it for one or two years. You can still go out and have your do-it-yourself experience, but look at it. Do not look at it as cheating, right? And it's okay. You know, so if, if, that's, if that's how you feel about it, then that's fine. But embrace the fact that you've only got so much time and you have most of us have more than one animal we feel this way about so if you save up some some money and you pay that guide you may still not have success but it will greatly accelerate the learning curve and then on top of that chances are some of those things that you learn from that guide are transferable to other species so when you pay that guide for one thing you're actually accelerating your learning curve on a bunch of other things. I certainly know that's true with I, I, birds and fishing. And I have to say, if you think that hiring a guide is cheating, I better never catch you taking a ladder on shoots and ladders because it's the same thing. <laughs> Fair enough. It's interesting. I haven't played shoots and ladders in a long time. I forgot. I got, little kids. I got little kids. I got to beat that game off sometimes. <laughs> that drives me nuts, mainly because I lose. It's so easy to win, but also very easy to lose. Hit that big slide up near the the top. At the end, that gets me every time. (laughs) Or or when the kids give just a little tap because they need three spaces to get the big ladder. Like, dook. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Under Pressure Outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by Hang Free. With a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. Try again. I'm a fan of sorry. There's no chance in that roll. You just click the button in the middle. <laughs> no, that's that's not sorry. Sorry's the cards. That's the oh, what's the pop up the pop up bubble one? I forget what that's called. I thought it was sorry. Sorry, you get the cards. So the big question on sorry is like if you if you get out like on a, on a one, you need one or two to get out from the circle on sorry the start, and you're yeah. supposed to go around the board. But then the next thing that you draw is a draw four, or is a backward four. If you're at your start, can you backward four? And then now you're all the way around? I've never played sorry. 
Mm. What is the popper one? I don't know. With the I, little things, and if you land on them, you... The popper uh-oh. one, you had to make your way all the way around the board. Yeah, but yeah. it's different than sorry. I, I don't know. But Same you, basic strategy. Yeah, you're clicking the thing in the middle with the with the die in it, and it's rolling it for you. Oh, that's going to no, drive me no nuts. What's roll. that called? i got to look that up. Monopoly. Monopoly, no. dude. I, dude, I played Monopoly once, never again. No thanks. It's like playing life. I, I already do that every day, and I'm not a fan of it. Uh, it sucks. Being an adult sucks. Um, but <laughs> I was having this conversation with my wife today when I'm out there digging up my septic tank. Fun, uh, With it? a shovel. Uh, but <laughs> adulting sucks. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. But, no, I, there's plenty of instances where I would hire a guide. But there's also... And, I can I will shamelessly admit the reason I won't hire a guide is strictly because I'm stubborn. And I think I know yeah. it. I think I'm good enough. And I will never think I'm not good enough to figure it out until I haven't figured it out. Yeah. That makes sense. But I'm also a fan now in today's age with social media of finding somebody out west or some somebody where you want to go and, and swapping a hunt. There's especially, you know, we have a unique set of Critters here in Florida. What's it called, Jim? Trouble. Trouble. Yeah. Trouble. Uh, you have a unique set of, of critters here in Florida, like alligators, that people can't really hunt anywhere else, and they want to come kill an alligator. You know, There's quite a few states that have an alligator hunt. They're all in the southeast. Yep. Uh, so you have a – and the only other state with more alligators in Florida is Louisiana, and they ain't too far ahead of us. Yeah. 1.3 million here and about 2 million there. Yeah, but then what? Like, There's, there's a smaller gap. Uh, listen, you could take the alligators from Texas and put them in Florida, and we have uh, just as many as, as – think about that. How See, few alligators there are in Texas. Texas is huge. Anyway, I digress. There are things set up now uh, like Servicide, which we got to get the, uh, one of those guys in here to talk about the Servicide thing. But that whole thing, you're, you're paying to get into this group of people uh, where the whole point is that they trade hunts back and forth. This guy has 50 acres in Michigan with big deer, and he wants to kill an alligator, or he wants to kill an Osceola turkey. You're trading access back and forth with another regular Joe somewhere to go and hunt something you otherwise couldn't do. And they don't, I mean, they act as your guide. They're not a true guide, but they're they're giving you uh, not always necessarily expertise, but they're giving you access. Local knowledge. Right. So, and then you get into... Like uh, the other one now, uh, talk about hunting private land. Land trust is another one you can jump on. And you can like rent out a 400-acre farm for a week in Ohio to shoot white-tailed deer. Yeah. And it, it's like a an Airbnb for hunters. They're like, yeah, 400-acre farm, nice little farmhouse. And it's going to cost you uh, two grand for five hunters. Yeah. for And it's a minimum of, of like four days. Like, sweet. <laughs> And then you go up there and you hunt for those four days on their farm. Stands in place, all this other stuff. You just go up there and you stay in their farmhouse and you hunt for four days. There's no guide there, but you paid for access. Yeah. You're getting your piece of private land heaven there in this other state, depending on archery, muzzleloader, or whatever else you want to do. And you go and you hunt there. Hmm. Instead of paying for to go hunt at an outfitter's lodge. Yeah. Where it's likely exponentially more expensive. But you're getting a lot more there. Somebody's yeah. cooking your meals. Somebody's cleaning your deer. Somebody's telling you where to sit. They're they're filling the feeders. They're you know, 
you're not necessarily guaranteed that with land trust. There's just going to be some ladder stands out there or, and, you know, you bring something with you if you wanted to, if they allow that. Hmm. We can but, even delineate. I mean, the difference between I have a lease and I put in for public land tags every year. Right. And then I get denied most years, but our lease where I've been on it for, I don't know, over a decade now, that is more, I mean, it's still hunting, but it's, it's, it's started to become more cultivation or ranching. Right. Right. They're, they're all the deer are totally wild, but no fences. No, no, you you figure them out. You know where the corn, you know where they're coming. I mean, there's not that many secrets left on that lease, but when, you know, when we, when I drew that tag at Seminole Forest last year, I was asking everybody I knew for the smallest little tidbit. And I don't know how many, how many times we've been out there small game hunting. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I managed to close a deer on that doe, close a deal on that doe. Uh, and a fine and, but that was that, but. definitely, that was definitely hunting, you know, and, and even when you and I went out in, in, in rock Springs, rock Springs, we didn't do a whole lot of scouting, but we did internet scouting. All right. Where are the boundaries? Where's a hedge line? And we went out and hunted that thing, and sure enough, knocked down a doe. Right, and I know I was the one that pulled the trigger, but I mean that was just that was just that was just dumb luck that the deer came out there as opposed right. to on the other side. Right, if it had come out fifty yard, if it had come out to the right, you'd have killed the deer. Well, if one of us didn't stop walking, we were going to keep walking forever, and I was tired of walking, so I chose to stop, and you went a little further, and I just pushed you into luck. Yeah, but then we hunted that same <laughs> spot last year. There was not a well, there was pigs. Whole passel of pigs. I thought it was a bear, right, Jordan? It, it started out as one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that now that I think about it, that's actually a great spot. It's just you know, I'm not, I don't want to tell anybody where it is. I've got it for Rock Springs and Rifle this year. I did not get either. I've got it and for I've got uh, archery uh, and muzzle litter. I've got uh got did I say I've got it for Rock Springs and Rifle? I've got it for muzzle litter and rifle. I've got Rock Springs for muzzle litter and rifle, and I've got citrus for, for bow. Oof. Phase two, got to get what you got to get. Yeah. So, we'll give Cit- it a shot. Have you ever been out to Citrus? I have not. It's interesting. Is it? It's just you. There's bottoms that, and everybody's going to be you know. And other than that, it's it's pretty damn open. It's shockingly open. It's weird. Mm. But I do have a spot where I did see deer, and I've actually got a pin on it. I was there with the Boy Scouts. I'm like, ooh, holla at me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that pin. Destiny has it too. Yeah, for archery, so she does. We'll see. We'll see. I'm interested, and I'm going to go down and scout and do a little wandering around down there before season starts. I know my, where I'm dropping my archery tags. Aren't until November. November. Yeah. So it's it's archery, but it's a late archery. So it'll it's be a beautiful piece of property. Yeah, you're gonna. It's it's pretty cool, you know, but. And then we've got Gleason, Alabama this year. so And I'm looking forward to that. But, of course, that's probably going to be about next to kind of public land, even though it's private because we don't have a single stand or camera on that place at the moment. We it got probably least, won't though. be till next year until we see a lot of uh, yeah. production. You going to run up this summer and throw a feeder or two up there? You know, after the podcast we just did a couple weeks ago, I don't think we're actually looking at putting out feeders. Ah, the CWD issue. Yeah, not CWD, not that, but there's the the whole. And I'm not going to go too in depth on it. So you have to go back and listen. 
but how to manage your land properly. Yeah, you getting you're getting more bang for your buck out of out of managing uh, native plants than you are putting out feeders, mm-hmm. food plots, sure, but uh, you're getting way more way more bang for your your buck out of managing what's there than you are uh, putting corn out and stuff like that. Because like you know, Lindsay Thomas talked about the fact that when you when you feed corn you're not just feeding deer you're feeding deer you're feeding possums you're feeding your ground nesting your your predators for ground nesting birds uh and then so by throwing corn you're hurting your turkeys you're feeding your turkeys but you're hurting your turkeys because you're boosting your your coon and possum population and then you're uh you're feeding pigs too so Hmm. understandable yeah it's actually really in that he was he went really in depth on that so you go back uh two episodes this one and jump on that the whitetail deer management and cwd i saw that on facebook obviously i wasn't here because i was in europa i wasn't but. even on that episode i had the covid uh but it was it i listened to it after editing it uh and it was it was good that's another one of those ones i'm sorry the audio quality is not that great for one of the guests who was in here because he wouldn't talk into the microphone <coughs> vince we love you vince but dude you got to talk into the mic <laughs> um but <coughs> Lindsay, you can hear Lindsay great, and he's the majority of, of what the information who's is coming from. Citrus does look super open. I'm looking at all the maps right now. The last one we had to talk about, and I don't have a good segue into it. I apologize. I tried. I didn't try that hard. Celebrities that hunt. And I think it's pretty common knowledge that Chris Pratt hunts. He's fairly yeah. open about it. Joe Rogan, too. Yeah. He's, he's been fairly open about it. Gerald <clears throat> McRaney. Who the heck is that? Um, Major Dad, Simon and Simon, bald guy. Sometimes plays bad guys in movies. He's getting a little old now, mm. but he was a big hunter. And I bet guy. it's far more common in older celebrities than it is in younger celebrities. Yeah, yeah. You know who definitely hunts? Hmm. Ted Nugent. For oh, real? No shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knew that one. Yeah. And The Rock wrestles, but yeah. <laughs> no, The Rock is actually a big fisherman, a big bass fisherman. I've seen that. No, but if you come across the video of uh, who was Steve Harvey talking to about fishing is I don't remember fishing his big bass oh, bomb. Who was it? I would love to bass fish with Steve Harvey. That would be oh, a good time. Dude, yeah, I feel like I don't. I wouldn't get a cast in from laughing so hard. But uh, like, I feel like it'd just be interesting to listen to Steve Harvey talk while he's bass fishing. <laughs> like, I mean, just like you just cast out and then you just wait. And you listen to him and what he's talking about. <laughs> Just let Steve Harvey talk. All right, so we talk about celebrities that hunt. If you could hunt with a celebrity that you know of that hunts, who 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 would you hunt with? Clay Newcomb. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. But he's or, a celebrity because he hunts. Well, it does. I, I exactly. <laughs> Actually, right. and I'd like to bear hunt with Clay Newcomb on a mule. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. So okay. I'll rephrase the question. If you could hunt with a hunting celebrity. Well, well okay. Right. And, and I'm talking someone who is a celebrity in the outdoors world. You don't have to necessarily limit to that. You, you could say you want to go hunt with Chris Pratt. If you could hunt with a uh, celebrity hunter, past or present, who would you hunt with? Who would you want to most go hunt with? I'd want to go. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'd want to go hunt with that dude that was... Uh, in India, setting up blinds to kill manhunting tigers. Dude, what? I, I mean, I can't remember. He was, he was incredibly famous in his day. 
um, you know, he was a British big gun hunter, big game hunter. And his thing was, um, if a tiger attacked a kid or attacked a village or something like that, when the tigers started turning on people, right. it became really problematic because once they started hunting people, they kept hunting people. So he would go set up and, uh, and he would hunt tigers and he would set up, you know, he'd track them and, and it would get dicey. Cause I guess, you know, the tigers, the tiger would start hunting him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But he'd be up in a tree and, and, and set up blinds and sometimes sit there for days and for goodness sakes, I can't remember. I've even read a book that he wrote, but I can't remember his name off the top of my it's head. Starting to make me think of you, you say he sits up in a tree hunting tigers. I'm thinking about the guy off the second Jurassic Park hunting the T Rex. Yeah, someone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the, one of the great white hunters, or the guy in in South Africa that uh, they made a movie about him. Uh, some, uh, you know, he was working for the railroad, and uh, I think he was an engineer for the railroad, and they had uh, this crazy group of lions like two or three lions that all of a sudden just started coming in and i mean they were attacking the camps they were picking guys off the line um and there was a guy that went and hunted down those lines so i I could say if i could hunt with anyone past or present and i want to jump in here for somebody else beats me to it i want to go uh i'm gonna hunt with hemingway nah Uh uh-uh why is that Oh, well, because I was thinking past. I'm like going way back. Yeah, but why wouldn't you want to hunt with Hemingway? Yeah, I'd rather go hunting with a mountain man. Yeah, there. Yeah, but that's not. But then you're getting you're you're not talking. That that goes back to the hunting and versus that's that's hunting for money. Yeah, but Hemingway didn't cool. hunt for money. Hemingway hunted for pleasure or sport. And the stories, the man, the way he just illustrates stories. Well, I mean, what what was. And I cannot remember the guy's name for the life of me. Big and uh, like one of the big founders of Ducks Unlimited. I can remember the name of his shotgun because it was one of the first shotguns. They called it Bow Whoop, but it's one of the first shotguns that was chambered in like three inch shells. Hmm. And I cannot remember that guy's man's name for the life of me right now. The guy I was thinking of is Jim Corbett. Okay, in India, and he was hunting in India like in the 1930s. So no air conditioning, right? Right, just. I don't. I forget what he used. You know, like some kind of five seventy five. You know, <laughs> who was? I'm sure, it was a double rifle, cannon booming. You know, yeah. yeah. Who was? Uh, Clay Newcomb did a, I think a whole series on the guy, and he was a black man. He's done a couple on some of the African American. There was the one dude that found the uh, the Clovis site, and there was the other guy that found the bear that Teddy Roosevelt refused to shoot. Hmm. I know you're talking about. I can't think that of that either. I got one for you. Present that I think would be a fun one to hunt with is Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I would rather go sport fishing with him. Yeah. On his. Uh, yeah. What's it's uh Yeah, I think that, that catch twenty one catch twenty one. That tournament that the dude uh Yeah, catch twenty one catch uh, twenty one fishes out of a ton of different I think he fishes out of that one too. Mm-hmm. He does. He was in that one. Oh, by the way, I found the lions. They're called the Savo T S A V O Savo Maneaters. Uh and it wasn't South Africa, it was actually Uganda Railway. They were killed by Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson. And if you want to see those lions, 
They're on display in the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, Illinois. Hmm. The People's Republic. The the name you're looking for is Hulk Collier. That's it. But I don't know, man. It it and it, if I had to pick someone from present day who's still kicking, I would want to go. I would say Jackie Bushman, and not because I think he's just the greatest hunter in the world, but because he, when when I watched hunting TV, like whitetail hunting TV as a kid, it was Jackie Bush. I'm I'm hunting. I'm not hunting for the game. I'm hunting for the conversation, just to talk to the man behind the rifle. I think he's got a lot of experience uh, experiences to talk about. It, it'd be fun. Michael Waldell, the bone collector himself. Yeah. That'd be, I'd, if we're going to go there, I'm going to say I want to go hunt with Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, Jeff God. Foxworthy. <laughs> I mean, come on, now. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Michael Wald, I think Michael Waldell would be pretty fun. If he's anything like he is on like TV and stuff, you would just laugh the whole time. You know, I was going to say I don't have any. Like, And then you brought up Michael Waldell. I was like, he seems pretty good. And then also I was like, yeah, I knew who I'd hunt with. I'd run home with Uncle Phil. Oh, yeah. Phil yeah. Roberts. Yeah. You know, you know. I think you could learn a lot. Yeah, from I do a lot about Robinson. life, you know, and his whole. I, I I appreciate the man's convictions, and not just in his faith, but like he's just, he's decided that's for me, and I could care less about the rest of the world. I love the idea that like he doesn't have a cell phone, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, right? You know, so like, you want to talk about the past, and people are like, I want to hunt with this person from the past. Why is nobody mentioned hunting with Davy Crockett? Because again, you 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 were talking so many. To me, I, well, he brought market hunter, but, but he hunting. is. You have it's, the Boone and Crockett, so he's a, a trophy. So what about Daniel it was Boone? named after them, not because they were yeah. trophy hunters, because they were great. It, it's the mountain men. There is an aspect to hunting with the mountain man, and and you you see it very different. But I don't think <clears throat> you you would have to have. Uh, in order to hunt and truly get the experience out of hunting with someone like Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone or Jim Bridger or someone like that, you have to be able to travel yourself back in time and hunt during their time period because it would not be the same to do that today. Oh, most definitely. But I think you could sit down with someone like Hemingway in today's scenario, go on African safari and have him tell you stories of the past and hunt the way he hunts in a traditional African safari today. Obviously, with today's technology, your jeeps instead of having to walk everywhere and, and stuff like that. But you would you would garner uh, you would get a totally different experience out of hunting with someone like Hemingway versus bringing uh, Davy Crockett to present day and and going and hunting bears with him somewhere. I, I think when Hemingway was hunting Africa, though, he was doing a pretty cush. Uh, he I was think, doing. I think Hemingway was one of those guys that had a whole troop of. Oh, sure. Local so was all intense. So was Roosevelt. Scotch. Yeah. You were you were getting it as cush as you could at the time. But if you went back from today's standards of Cush to his standards of Cush, they ain't that Cush. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like unless I, I'm sitting in a a, a, a thing like one of the carriage carried by manservants while I sit there with the breeze blowing through, someone waving a, a banana leaf on me to keep me cool. It ain't that freaking Cush. I, I do you like know? watching those old Hollywood movies around Africa. You know, like you've got the the, the of course you've got to have the attractive starlet that. 
God knows why she's out in the middle of Uganda, right? But um, there's always some curious story about how the actress wound up there. Um, you know, but they've got the the starched khakis and you know the pith helmets, right? And and they come back from a day in the field, and you know the tents all set up, and it's always white. Oh yeah, right. And and there's there's tables and it's clean. Ice. Tables, fine, <laughs> fine china, and a nice yeah, glass exactly. of scotch waiting on them. Exactly yeah. right, and you know, you, you just, I, I think, I, mean, I can't imagine. I'm sure that there are outfits that provide that experience today, um, or something similar to it. But I, again, it kind of goes back into it. I didn't realize that they still have a train that runs the Orient Express. Like you know, did you ride motor- on that? No, 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 no. Oh, because to go I'd from be Paris to get killed to go from Paris to Istanbul, like coach, whatever their version, which is still incredibly plush. It's like forty four thousand dollars a head to ride on the Orient Express. Yeah, and it's all mahogany you, and shit Christie. like that. Ah, it's just if you just want to do one night from like. I don't know, whatever to wherever, it's like four grand. I was like, holy cow, because I saw that and I was like, oh, we got to figure out how to do this. And then I said, ooh, honey, I guess I'm going alone. (laughs) (laughs) Have have any of y'all ever heard of the Murder on the Orient Express? Yeah. Just me and Jim. Heck you better. Okay. I didn't know. Jordan probably don't know that. Oh, man. If if for some reason I ever do do that, I'm going to like shave the mustache and make sure (laughs) the same number of hairs on both sides. (laughs) All my eggs perfect. Yeah. That man, if you watch that, that he had like the perfect mustache. It was always perfect. As Briar sits here and curls what mustache he has. Yeah. Attempts to. I don't know how he did it. Dude, we're talking about hunting and I'm I'm just looking through some articles. You know who's somebody you don't even think about fishing with? Gary, Gary Yamamoto. Nah. Yeah, no. If Bill I dance. so if I had to fish with somebody, Bill Dance for sure. I mean, Bill Dance would be fun, but I want the guy who what, what was it called? Uh, River Monsters. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know why they had to cancel the why the show got just quit because he caught all the dang fish. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, hey man, there aren't any left to catch. So, adios. Mm. He caught all the river monsters. Jeremy Wade. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Wade. Yeah. No more exotic species. You're right. Watch, huh? yeah. I mean, they couldn't really have made it. I mean, I'm sure there's a story somewhere in South Georgia about a kid, a baby getting eaten by a bass. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> ain't going to make good more like Mississippi TV. or something. Dude, regardless. Was he, was he out there basically at the end catching sturgeon and alligator guard? Things Not like, probably. Paddlefish. He was. Yeah. La- lack of ideas forced the show off air. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what I told you. And I, I could tell you, I could tell you, there's somebody out there who's like, "Oh, Will Krebs, that under pressure outdoors guy. He's an ass." Yeah, we <laughs> all know said, that, right? <laughs> yeah. I in like his... it because he's an ass, it, and I'm not. I mean, I don't try to be an asshole, I've but I can, come across, that, I can <laughs> come across that. I can come across that. It says Wade and his team decided to hang it up once they felt they'd wrangled every river monster out there. Exactly. <laughs> It's his time to go find Bigfoot. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> time to go find Bigfoot. Oh uh, no, that would that would dude. You want to talk about the Ames team? Do you ever see that? Mm-mm. Oh, if you want to go hunting Bigfoot, that's it, man. 
mountain monsters. I would. It's still, on Destination America. I would still love to get oh, gosh, uh, a Bigfoot expert in here to talk about Bigfoot. I think that would be a great show. Oh yeah. please, we I'm need curious. to find one of those. I'm curious, I have to do some research. But so, so, well, we were in Europe doing an Uber. You start yapping at the cabbies or the Uber guys, and almost all of them are Muslim. Um, <laughs> you know, we had I had a guy from uh, um, Somalia. I had guys from Pakistan. But one guy, you know, and, and a lot of them really, the fact that I read the Quran, like that blew their mind. Yeah. Right. But that, and it opened up all of a sudden they would talk to you because most of the time they don't want to talk. But man, they find out, where are you from? Florida. Like Florida, ah, United States. And, um, which is weird. You'd think that everybody would know like from our access, you must be from the United States. To, to somebody who's not a native English speaker, they really don't know. They can't really tell the difference between say a British accent and, a, and an American accent or an Australian accent. So they have no idea. But I tell them I'm from the United States. Oh, they have questions. But the, where I'm going with this whole thing, the one guy, I asked him uh, where he's from. And you know, and I was trying to explain, how, ask him how long it took him to learn Dutch. And he, he said that he, he, he's, you're exposed to it and you have to try. And, and I said, well, what about English? He said, I learned English from television. And, and I was like, what show do you like? And he's like, I like Chumbly. I'm like, what? Pawn stars. Pawn stars, man. <laughs> this guy went on. A, he lo- knew all about the dad, the, the, the grandfather. I knew all about Las Vegas. And I was like, have you been? He's like, never been to America. Right? But he, his his favorite TV show in America, TV was Pawn Stars. <laughs> hey, man. It's a good show. It's a good show. <laughs> mm. Oh, On that note, you guys got any closing thoughts? Man. I don't know. I'm say I'm gonna say don't don't uh, don't consider your hunter dream, right? You can you can make something happen eventually, unless it's a bighorn sheep. <laughs> You're screwed. You win the lottery, though. You can buy governor's tag. Yeah. yeah. So I got a little hunt I'm planning, and um, anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you want to get in on it, I don't care if one guy goes or ten guys go. Um. I think I'm going to go back to Maine. We talked about Maine a little bit on this podcast. Um, flight into Bangor, Maine. Uh, rent SUVs. You know, you can't. You could rent a smaller car, but anyway, rent. Put two guys, one, two in each SUV. Get a couple of houses out there and hunt. You fly out on Wednesday, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You fly home on Sunday. Sunday's a blue law day anyway there. But for those that want to go do something that really is pretty unique, because the North Main woods are incredibly vast, you can drive and drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. And then you get out and walk up. Beautiful. You see all the colors. You'll probably, I almost guarantee you'll see moose. Can't hunt them. You can pick up a bear tag if you want. You might see one of those. Might catch some snowshoe hares, but you will find grouse. You'll see them crossing the roads and you just walk into the woods and hunt them up. But, Door to door, you figure your flight into Bangor with a checked bag because everybody's going to be checking a bag. Have to. That's about five hundred bucks. Um, split the rental car, split the house. It's somewhere between eleven hundred and thirteen hundred dollars out the door, and it may sound expensive, but let's face it, most people listening to this are probably going to spend three to four hundred of that during that same span of October 11th through the 15th, just kicking around BS in any way. Right. So, and it's a great time. Weather's, the weather's awesome. The trees are awesome. The birds are awesome. And uh, if anybody wants to go 
Hit us up. I'm going to say uh, figure out what you want out of a hunt. What what is your what is your end goal when, it, when that comes to hiring a guide? If if your end goal is to just go to you want to go hunt elk in Colorado, but you're super happy just to see the scenery and and maybe hear one bugle, then pick the right time of year to hear a bugle and go to Colorado on your own and try to kill an elk. If your number one goal going to Colorado, this is the one maybe one and only time I'm going to go and I want to kill an elk. Hire a guide. So, Briar? I don't know. Y'all looking at me like I got some profound knowledge or something. I don't know. <laughs> no? All right. Jordan, you have one already? You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Right. I started it out. We'll catch you guys next week. Adios.